This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. We are back, baby. Welcome back to the After My Show. It's your host, Peter Kim. And this is Andy Kim. And we are two um, approaching 40-year-olds, <laughs> queer, messy, desperate. And we, <laughs> and we are back on the radio waves, baby. I can't believe we're in a different room. We I were know. like, we were hip to hip for a full week. I mean... We got to break it down. All right, yes. first of all, folks, thanks for coming back. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is the Ajima Show. This is where we talk about all things being queer, being in comedy, being 40. <laughs> Basically, we're talking shit, so come on board. <laughs> and um, a quick, before we get into our kick-ass Karinskia, we, um, I just want to give a quick shout-out to all the Ajima fans and the Patreons that came out in droves to our shows in Chicago and DC. I know, thank you so much, you uh, guys. Thank you so much. We can't wait to upload that DC episode. It was so fun. And you know who you are who came out to multiple shows, yes. came out to our stand-ups and our podcasts. Like, come on, that's like true fan shit. And we're gonna get into it in the second section of the show of how the shows went. Um, but I just wanna give a shout out to you guys. And also, if you guys are interested in supporting the Patreon, go check it out. Um, and also, if you can't support this Patreon, but you love the pod and you're getting it for free 99, tell a friend or give us a review. That helps us out a lot. Um, so with that out of the way, it's time for Kick-Ass Koreans. Okay. All right. Who do you got today? Two I got today is Professor Junko Takeda. Junko Takeda, this doesn't sound like a kick-ass Korean to me. Okay, touche, touche. Uh, okay. You know, the name the name reveals something else. Now, she is a professor. She is the first fully tenured uh, Asian-American history professor at Syracuse. And she um, she's become the first Asian-American and woman of color to be promoted to full professor in the history department. Now, <gasps> wow. Yes, uh, about time, about damn time. You about know, damn time. It's 2022. It's She's about damn time. In a minute, I'm gonna need a Korean person to <laughs> <laughs> get tenure in the history department. Anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, so she she actually is half Korean. She was born to a Japanese mother and a Korean father in Japan. Ah. Uh. That's right. This makes sense. This, this makes, makes sense. sense. Now, they both of her parents came to the U.S. with student visas in 79 when she was three. Mm. After their student visas expired, their employers uh, refused to help them obtain H-1 visas. They remained here undocumented, mm. as many people inside of the Korean-American community did, especially if you came over in the 70s, because it was very, very hard to get um, an H-1 visa, your employer needs to do, you need to be educated. Her parents mm-hmm. were because they came um, to study, but it was still very difficult. So 
she had to live under the specter, her whole family under the specter of deportation. And you know what it's like. You and you know, you've had family. We've talked about it on this podcast a great number of times. You know, this is sort of the other part of the Asian American experience we do not talk enough about. There's so much about the model minority myth and you know, this sort of pitting of various minorities against each other. And the truth of the matter is we are by and large uh, uneducated, do not speak the language, and are poor. That's the actual demographics, especially now, of new Asian American populations coming into this country. So you all, we all, people on this pod and people who are listening understand the specter of deportation very intimately. And she had to, she talks about in this article very specifically about how the specter of deportation meant she had all this added pressure to get good grades because it would help the deportation proceedings when you go in front of the judge if you get to say like my daughter or my son or my child is like doing very well i mean it is no coincidence that the first dreamer by the way was korean was trying to get into fucking juilliard as well and play mm-hmm. the play the bibu bibu uh cello what's uh, that oh <laughs> <laughs> the bibu bibu <laughs> You know what I mean. And so- I don't. I actually don't. I need you to explain why that's the cello. That sounds more like a, like a trumpet or a woodwind or something. Okay, as a cellist, I can tell you that. Okay, it's, sorry. It's I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm coming for your craft. My bad. What do I know? It, it is a beep boop beep boop. Thank you. So, um, okay. but so she <laughs> she just like is recalling all this extra added pressure from her parents fucking. <laughs> Immigration lawyer uh, to get oh A's. Oh yeah, you thought oh you had, you thought you had pressure. <laughs> you know, what you I had mean? the whole backing of Jacoby Myers and Sons. <laughs> so she um, went to school. Her grandmother, her parents, like they all worked in order for her to stay. And then it wasn't until '86. We all know when Reagan had the Immigration Reform Act where most of us got to come over. Most of us mm-hmm. kind of came over during that era. My family certainly did. So My family, yep. Yeah. So it's, you know, she talks, she actually eventually got a PhD in history, uh, French history specifically. And so, like, you can imagine how, you know, to go from undocumented immigrant mm-hmm. to being able to get a fucking PhD and French history, no doubt. You know, and, and you know, the fact that she's the first Asian American woman of color to be inducted into, as a full professor into a history department in New York. Syracuse wow. is the fucking New York State. So. Oh, yeah. So, it's upstate. Upstate, but still, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's fucking New York. Yeah, yeah. It's even harder because there's not many Asians there. Yes. So the fact that that is, that kind of, um, exemplifies the idea that, that exemplifies the fact that there are very few that academia remains a very white space mm-hmm. and in spite of all of that she persevered she worked as a bartender as a librarian she went to college on financial hustled. aid she hustled and after 20 years she got here you know this bitch is in her 40s she's got tenure she's <laughs> she's got tenure right yes yeah, that's amazing. That's a jackpot for teachers, right? They're like, mm-hmm. they got it. You, you can't get fired. 
you could you don't even have to be a good teacher anymore you know <laughs> you could just sit back and collect a paycheck like this is like she, she must feel what the like police department feels like you know what i mean yes. like just getting getting paycheck for being bad <laughs> good for her and that's i'm not the saying she's dream. bad but, but that's the american I'm not saying dream. she's bad but that's the dream is to mm -hmm. work so hard that you stop working and then you just get paid thank you that is that's my dream and that's but, that, okay, and that's did, why she's my kick-ass korean kick-ass korean but do we ever go into why her name is um a japanese name and not a korean name is it because she had to hide in japan well that's why that's the way most korean people that live in japan that's how they do yeah they take yeah even though her mother was japanese and father was korean she took her mother's name no that's her father her father has a japanese name too oh he's a korean native uh, he's a korean national in japan yeah or he's a J japanese national but ethnically korean yeah ethnically korean oh wow oh okay so it's very pachinko that's yeah. right Okay. So there's there. Oh, I mean, okay, very timely. All yes. right, come on, Junko. <laughs> I mean, so he yeah, he's an ethnic Korean living Japanese national, and so you couldn't imagine. I can only imagine the sort of racism he endured. Oh my god! And the you racism know, and the you endure by people who look like you is way crazier than someone who has the complete opposite skin color. It is psychotic. <laughs> it's, it's psychotic. It's, it's psychotic. like someone being mean to you, and you're like, "What the fuck? We look exactly the same." I, it's like it's like when my mom would bully me about being short. I'm just like, "Bitch, bitch, you're tiny." Yeah. <laughs> like, how is this my fault? Like, how are you making me feel? Yeah. Like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's your DNA. That's so funny. Um, all right. Well, that's that's so kick ass. Amazing for her. I've always had this like professorial dream of like be like retiring as a as a professor in a collegiate town. Oh yes. I just I just missed the fall foliage. That's really what I'm after. Ann and Arbor, you if you're tweet. listening, University of Michigan. <laughs> I do look good in tweet. <laughs> I just want suede elbow pads. That's all I really oh, want. I love that's this. how I want to. Ugh. Anyway. Okay, my kick-ass Korean today is um, a artist, a, vo a recording artist by the name of Hunjia. Oh yes, H U N J I Y A, and um, she is a soul-born Ithaca-raised. Okay, come on, upstate New York. New York, New York yeah. Um, I think Ithaca might be where Syracuse is. Actually, is it? Hold on. Syrac no, that's no, where Syracuse Cornell is. is in Syracuse. Yeah, that's right. That's where Cornell is. Yeah, um, I I did visit Cornell. Is Cornell the bad one? Yeah, it is. Corn Cornell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the one with the gorge. It's got a gorge. Yeah, it's, uh, my cousin brought me to the jump off gorge, yes. and because he was like, "This is where everyone kills themselves," and I was like, "Okay, very beautiful way to die." <laughs> and um, Anyway, um, so Ithaca is is where Cornell is. That's where she grew up. So you can imagine, you know, she also grew up around a lot of white people. There were no no one in like music programs, and she said that she was. Um, I she said she always grew up around music. She did piano classes like most Koreans do, yes. but also she was a marching man for the entirety of her school year, um, and then she started t t writing her own music in high school. And uh, that was the era where, like, YouTube days where a lot of Asian Americans were uploading their stuff. So, like, as far as representation, she was the only one she saw in music around her. 
uh, and she she bought a ukulele for Amazon and stole her brother's guitar and really just started writing songs. Wow. And um, she uh, eventually um, got not picked up or signed with the South Korean-based indie label Pikes Per Mill, P-A-I-X Per Mill. Uh, and sh- her vocals are amazing. She's very powerful vocals. She moved back to Korea um, to pursue her career in music. But much like a lot of these people who go back to Korea, she is feeling completely isolated. She doesn't have, she's, there's a lot of cultural language barriers. And she didn't realize there was a lot of different things that she needed to learn, like respect and manners and use of your body language and facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> this screams of a Korean girl growing around, growing up around whites. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? This screams like Ithaca. parents, Ithaca, parents moved you to up, not even NYC, upstate New York. And bitch, you had to assimilate fast. You were in a marching band. Ain't no Korean I know from Flushing Queens is was in a marching band. Honey, the only time we were marching is when we did something bad and we had to go to fucking military school. And that, that those are the only times any Korean I knew was marching. So you know she was growing up alone, pretty much. And um, now she's back in Korea and getting um, huge accolades. Uh, and Nylon had did a feature on her, Nylon Magazine and the website. Um, her single, Talk To Me, uh, T-A-L-K, the number two, me, exclamation point, Hanjia. Really fun, really cool, like very like fun, pop, uh, but vocal forward. And she, uh, she's she been killing it. And the song is really about someone she's trying to have a deeper conversation with, but not really knowing how to say it. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it seems like that is very much the experience we have with our own parents. Yes. And the the generation before us. And even with her going back to Korea, she must be inundated with family that she can't just speak to, like full house. You know what I mean? Like stuff she grew up on. She has to learn a whole new, not literal language of Korean, but language of society. In Cultural. Korea. Yeah, and I, I just feel for her, and um, I love that she's doing it, and she's killing it out there. Uh, so go give her a listen, Hanjia. You can find her on all the platforms, and that's it. Let's give it up. Yay! Yeah! All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We're back. We're back. I, I, um, I had way more fun in Chicago and DC than I thought I was gonna. I really. It's good did. that you had low. It's good that you had low expectations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I realized. I did because the last time I was in Chicago with you yeah. was when the world ended. So the expectations were in the sub basement. (laughs) So like, but it was so beautiful to come to Chicago and do shows to people who really just wanted to laugh. Yeah. I don't have that here. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad. And I've been talking about like how I want to move away from doing stand-up as a career. Yes. And and really just do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. And 
it, I'll tell you what, that week I spent with you guys in Chicago and with you in DC, it really, it really relit the fire and the joy of doing stand-up. Oh, I mean, it's a joy to watch you. It's also a joy to experience. I mean, like, there's no way you could have emerged from this week, from last week and weekend, uh -huh. and not have a small bit of your heart go back. Go back. Yeah. It, it did. I, I, I went two steps forward and nine steps back. I will. <laughs> I, I know. And you were, the whole time, you were like, swan song? The fuck are you talking about swan song? <laughs> Every time you'd be like, every time we were about to uh, spend a hundred dollars on a meal, you're like, swan song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I fully, I fully came to Chicago and DC, feeling like it was going to be my last thing, and I, I still do think that in spirit it was the last thing that I booked as like a my agent's booking this weekend and blah blah blah. Anyway, before we get into it, let's talk about our show in Chicago. Um, well, well, no, where we already talked about it. Sorry, our show's in D.C. Mm -hmm. So Unji and I went to D.C. We went to the um, D.C. Comedy Loft to do a weekend there. We did the smaller room. There was a big room, small room. Yes. And we were relegated to the basement. Um, and <laughs> An incredible room, though. Oh, Unji. Okay, so the first night, Friday night... We're, first of all, before we even get there, two days before my agent calls and says we might have to reschedule, because Pharrell, yes, Pharrell, the producer artist, was having a weekend-long kind of Juneteenth Williams. celebration festival. Pharrell Williams was Pharrell Williams, yes, was having a, yeah. a, a large event, mm -hmm. and the music festival unprecedented in D.C. It's yeah. like the first of its kind. It never happened. Yes. Yeah, they took over the National Mall. Like, it was like a big thing. Exactly. And so everyone was supposedly going to that. And there were no tickets sold. No one was buying tickets. They couldn't even comp out tickets, they said. And usually they're able to, like, if if a act can't sell out on their own name, they'll they'll um, give away free tickets so to get butts and seats so they could make money on the two-item minimum. So... Um, that was like a disheartening call for me to have in front of you yeah. <laughs> and our friends, <laughs> in our friend Jack's car. And that really, uh, my stomach fell to the floor because that is the number one fear I had. Yes. Going into Both this of ours. weekend. Both of ours. Yeah, right? Like to show up on the road on a weekend and them going, ah, got none for you. Yeah. That's no, she... like heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, and because that's a type of situation where the bad shows are through no fault of our own, right? We can with if there's nobody in the, the there's nobody there, we can't even have mm -hmm. a bad show. We can't even have exactly. And they were saying like, "Oh, do you want to do a show to like six people?" And I was like, "Probably not." But my brother, my youngest brother, was coming down from New York. He already bought his train tickets. He's meeting his friend. I had a friend coming out from college, and you know there were Ajima Show fans yes. ticketed, ready to come. You know, so I, I I just couldn't say no. We're not going, so we decided to cut the ten o'clock shows and just do the early shows. So one show Friday, one show Saturday, and do the podcast live on Sunday. And I thought that was the right decision. Oh, a hundred percent. 
hundred percent. And I, I remember when I when we when I got that call and you were going home and I was going upstairs to my place in Chicago. I, I was like, okay, let's just think about it for an hour. Yes. And and make a decision. It was, we, but the it was with heavy hearts that we went back super to Super heavy. Yeah. I, like, I was really like, you know, I yeah. was like, uh, am I, are we going to do this? You know, you're pre- uh, pregnant and yeah. she has to like do fucking finagle the whole situation with her family and then go and then come back. Like, is that going to be worth it? And honestly, I felt so bad to make you do that. You know, just no. because I was, I want, I want to be stubborn. You know, so I was like, I really don't know. And then, you and I both decided that, you know what, fuck it, we're doing it. I don't give a fuck. Like, yes. and for you, I think this is maybe one of the last like airplane road gigs you might be able to do for a while. Before, yeah. For a while before you know everything happens. So, I was like, you know what, fuck it, let's go. So, so we go, and um. First of all, we get to the hotel. Fabulous. Amazing. Incredible Amazing. pens. Heavy weight. Good, smooth ride. Smooth rides, yes. Everything was beautiful. Um, I, when we got to the theater on Friday, they, they had an upstairs room that was filling up, and then our room was pretty small like the attendance was pretty it was sparse sparse is the word correct yeah i would say the what capacity of our room was 60 60 if you cram cram 70 yeah yeah and um maybe there were like uh 15 20 people there yes yeah, and they weren't sparse. even sitting together. Sparse. Yeah, like, they were yes. they were spread out. Like um, like it was like the hair on <laughs> Peter or my legs sparse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Kim's body hairs very yeah. disparate. Just like sporadically distributed. Uh, yeah, there none of them. A bunch of them were never together. It was just a small little groupings. <laughs> It was almost as if they were like repelled from each other, yes. like magnets with the same polarity. <laughs> anyway, so at first, I when I went in there and looked at the stage, first of all, I didn't even know where the stage was. I was like, "Where is it located? Oh, it's like, like is it's this right the past, room? It's right past the bathroom where it smelled really bad." And then you went into, <laughs> and then you went into the comedy room. This little like room. Um, almost kind of like if you had like it, it, this. It was an interesting building. There were like multiple bars and rooms, and um, we didn't have a green room, so they put us up in one of their like hotel rooms. They're like I don't even know if we should call it a hotel. It's like it's like an inn, Hostel? a tavern. Yeah, yeah, it's a tavern. It's an inn and tavern. Yeah, it's an inn and tavern. And um, they put us in one of the rooms. And shout out to those guys. Like um, they didn't get much of our writer stuff, but. You know, they got they got the stuff we needed. And they were they got wonderful. Yeah, yeah, they were wonderful. Very amenable people at uh, the DC Comedy Loft, I have to say. Um, and we went into that room, and uh, our host started the show, and I was very worried. Yes. Because he was very low energy. Yes. And the room was already sparse, as we discussed. Uh-huh. So I was, and he did the thing that I really, this is my pet peeve. And for that reason, I probably won't hire him. By the way, this is someone we, I hired to come do the hosting because he was someone I knew from SD and he was in town. 
it's so instead of using a local person, we use you know someone we knew. Anyway, he um, and he thought it would be helpful insofar as it would help. He would bring he would people, bring people, people yeah, because he's from the Virginia area. Yes, uh, turns out he lives an hour and a half away. So <laughs> ain't, ain't no one coming to see his ass. And um, so that was mistake number one. But also, he he had su- he was such an opposite energy from both you and me. Yes, in that. He was very, like, low-key and monotone. He's, like, that kind of dry comic, which, you know, whatever. Everyone has their style, and that's cool. But if you are hosting a night, you need to fucking host, man. This is a this is a thing for anyone who's, like, looking into doing comedy as a young person or, like, a green person. If a, a, a host is not the first comic to go up. Don't mm. ev- that that is a mistake. Mm. If you are host, if you are being paid as a host, you're being paid to set the room up. You're being paid to welcome, tip your waiters. This is your. You're being the host. Okay, so we went to jazz. Eric yes. and I went to jazz fest in the Hollywood Bowl. Arsenio Hall was the host. Beautiful, incredible he did host. Great, incredible, incredible host. host. He knows what he's doing as a host. He's hyping us up. He's connecting to us. He's saying, "Hey, we're here to have a good time. Sit back, relax. These are the rules. Yes. Now let's get started." And then it cracks a joke here and there as he brings the next person up. Come on, you're riding a fucking wave. Yes. You're. This is the rhythm of a comedy show, especially club comedy. Like, what? Are, what is happening? He, and he's not trying to crush. You're not trying to crush. He, no, please. You're, first of all, the room is cold. Yes. So you're going up to warm up the room. So if you're trying to do your best 10 minutes, believe me when I say that's not going to work because you haven't even introduced yourself to these people. Yes. You, you haven't introduced why they're there. Usually if it's a club comic, like you're there to see a headliner. You know, like you should be getting people ready for the headliner and the feature. Like he didn't even like, I don't think he even introduced you with your credits or anything no. like it was so it was so lackluster of a hosting job that i was afraid that the audience was going to be like oh god because they were tight they were tight with him in terms of the laughter even though it was the, a good yes. room like the ceiling yes. was very low we didn't know it was good room we didn't know oh, 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 oh the, you mean the the acoustics of the, the acoustics room. of the room uh, one of the best acoustics i've ever heard in a room i mean very low ceiling tight tight dark like Dark. the way that they had it all set up, it made sense. Someone all into knew, the corner. Yes. And someone knew what the fuck they were doing. And yes. and I th- thank God for them. And I will mm-hmm. also clarify, the room did fill out a little bit. When we arrived, very sparse. Very sparse. And then it slowly filled. Yes. And yes. We, I think we got to probably about 30 people in there that first night. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yes, it did fill. But... He he did his set and they were like, okay, yay. And he was like, you guys ready for your next comedian? And he brought you up and you went up there and immediately turned the room. It the 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 room went from like dark to light, like immediately. <laughs> and you had and Unji, you did like the perfect thing of like resetting the room. Yes. Because you 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 had felt this mofo go up there and just drain the, the 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 room and the thing is he's not a bad comic no he's 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 a great he's he's a fine comic but he's that guy should be number 2 up yes or before right before the headliner to like palate cleanser or something like that like you you can't host like that no 
that that's not a good way to host. So you went up and flipped the room and killed. <laughs> and when you were killing, I mean, you felt like that was a sleigh, right? Yeah, like it that, did feel like a good. It felt like a good show. They were on every joke. Yeah, like they could not. They and they were so smart. Yes. Everyone got it. Like yes. there was no one going what? And there are like, people that were surprisingly understood got it. your comedy. Yes, and there are people in the room that you didn't think would get it. They they surprised yes. you. They surprised you. Yeah, and it was a lot of government workers who like. Yes. I, I was talking to Lisa Traeger yesterday. She mentioned you. Okay. Um, and she was like, um, yeah, you know, how was DC? Blah blah. I was like, oh, it was great. She was like, oh my god, I love DC. They're all like a bunch of freaks that work the most horrible jobs. So they come out and they want to laugh at everything. And yes. I'm like, you're right. That's exactly it. They have like, there's like a toughness to the city that makes them come out and be like, come on, give me anything. You know, like where like it's not so much in L.A. Like L.A. is very soft and like, you know, prototyp- <laughs> you know it's very like it is stereotypically um, snowflakey, mm-hmm. um, but in which D.C. is not. So that was such a fun show. And um, and that night I felt so good about my set and. It you killed. felt like, thank you. I, I felt, I, I f- remember I was saying like I felt I was nervous about not filling an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, that night when he gave me the light at 45 minutes. And you I were like, like, you could have done another hour. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, I, I, saw, I saw no, where you, I, I knew that. where you were in your set. You could have, you could have very easily done an hour 15. I think so. I yeah. think I had about like 20 more minutes left or yeah. like, you know, maybe half hour left. And that felt so good because I I just didn't think I could extend that long or or do do comedy that long. But the first crowd was so into it that um, I spent, uh, you know, a bunch of time doing crowd work and that felt so incredibly good. And that that did fill up my act a lot, which which really really helped. And I think was the most fun part of my act was the was that part. Um, and then we got and then we went home and you know drank, drank and hang hung out. Yes. And then had the most delicious Ethiopian food. If you're in DC, go try Gion G H I O N. Oh, so good. Little, like mom and pop shop. It was so so delicious. Um, and of course, our friend Alice Kleiner came out and had a wonderful time. Loud ass laugher. Shout out to Kleiner. <laughs> um, the weed was absolutely disgusting in DC. Disappointing. And I paid a, disappointing. $120 for a tiny pack of joints that did not even get me. It was so. I our, was our government workers deserve better. They deserve better. <laughs> they deserve the good Cali Kush. Like, <laughs> if you're a government worker, come to Cali and hit me up. I will. I will help you out. Um, if you're a Democrat. And um, anyway, so <laughs> the next day we went out and did some fun um, DC stuff. We went to the museums. We did, we you know, did some great restaurants. We ate really well in DC. Incredible. I thought like the food was, the food was incredible in DC. And you never hear about that. Like DC being a foodie town or foodie destination. Like no one ever goes to DC for the food. And at least not that I hear of or like top chefs not doing these. So like it always it, I, I never thought of it as like a food destination. But of course, it's like fucking international and like the richest people of every country is coming to D.C. So 
it did feel very expensive, but yes. also high quality, um, which I really, really appreciated. I mean, it's it. Of course, it makes sense that it'd be fancy because there are a lot of fancy people there, and there are things like of an of a level, like and they're extremely yes. old. Like there's the thing yes. is like you forget like oh right, it's a fucking old city. It's also East Coast, so it's gonna be there are gonna be parts of it that are always gonna be kind of fancy like this. Yeah. Like, you know, it, there's going to be an upper crust area. There you go. And so, which we were staying at. Yes. We were <laughs> because our club was near there also. Yeah. But we also didn't want to stay in the Inn and Tavern because um, we're bougie. <laughs> we <didn't... laughs> they were like, oh, you could stay here for free. We we're like, no, we'll pay to stay somewhere nice. Because for you and me, it really was more of a vacation too, not just two comics on the road just eking it out like that's not our vibe at all oh. like we're trying to as, as we, we're as, trying to booze as, as i was telling you i'm not looking to get bed bugs on this trip so i was not <laughs> not like, for a 25 minute set no honey. no i mean maybe <laughs> for an hour yeah. <laughs> i wasn't but, trying um so what was the your favorite part of friday night friday night, honestly it was um the relief that we both probably felt doing the set, it wow. going well, that it yeah. wasn't to... When I say your first bit out, I was like, oh, she's got him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I already knew. I was like, oh. Like, did you feel that? Like, at the top, you were like, oh, they're with me? Um, no, but I, I kind of fell into um the pocket in a way where I was like, oh, I, I, I had, I felt in control. You were absolutely in control. Yeah, I felt yeah. in control. So, like, af yeah. after that, you know, I'm, I'm living in the moment. I'm in control. Like, there's nothing. What else can you ask for? People are laughing yeah. at exactly when I want them to. Like, that's incredible. So, I think the relief we both felt from the sets going well, the fact that it was not to nobody, an, an empty room, that we didn't have yeah. to cancel the show, Ugh. and that the show went well. Yeah. And that, yeah. you know, especially given the the loudness of the room and the laugh, like the fact that even in a small, sparsely populated comedy room that we still felt mm. and walked away feeling good about the set, that's incredible. That's incredible. So, that rarely happens. That rarely happens. So it's a testament to the yeah. room, as a testament mm -hmm. to the DC audience, mm -hmm. and also as a testament to Gion Restaurant, the restaurant we went to afterwards. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's my favorite part of doing like quote road gigs. Yeah, is after doing a, like a, a night, going to a restaurant just like picking out. Oh, like like it feels like it feels celebratory. It feels like uniquely Korean, like yes. that late night eating. You know. Um. Anyway, so yeah, my my favorite part was that, and and also meeting the um, the Ajima fans that came out. Yes. that night. Uh, oh, did they come out that night or Saturday night? It's uh, no, it's they came out Saturday. Saturday. Okay, so let's move on to Saturday. So we go to Sa we go Saturday, and then we get there, and they're like very happy the club, and they're saying like, "Oh, it's almost sold out." Yes. And we were like, "Whoa, how did that happen?" I thought Pharrell Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was Pharrell's big night. <laughs> yeah. What What's going on? But um, I guess cu cutting the. Um, Late nights helped yes. <clears throat> kind of drive all the traffic to the 7 o'clock shows, 7.30 shows. And it, we got there, and it was already, like, bustling. Yes. It was packed. And um, 
my brother and his friend came the first night at, halfway through my set yes. and they came again the Saturday night so they were there um, shout out to my brother I love him he's he's a comedy fan and he's now like it was so cool by the way he texted me and said like it was awesome to watch you and Unji up there like you guys are so cool and so amazing like you should be proud of yourselves and I was like oh and he's so, he's this so sweet I know it's like so un, yeah. it's so un-Korean it's so not Korean. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what the fuck? He's also 11 years younger than us, so he's like, I think better adjusted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's such a sweet boy, and he he brought his friend out again for yes. the second night, also. And it it felt so cool to not only perform for my brother who loved it mm-hmm. because um, rewind like <clears throat> I don't even remember when this was like maybe five years ago. No, 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 no. Like eight years ago, I performed in San Diego. Okay. And he came out to a show. He was stationed there and he brought his Marine friends out and I was doing a bit about my mom. Okay. And the bit was like something about like, um, now that I've come out, um, she wants to like, now the walls have br- broken down and she wants to tell me every little gory detail about her life. Yeah. And, and, and the punchline was like, oh, like, okay, I'm gay. I don't want to hear about your fucking abortions. Yeah. You know, something like that. <laughs> and she goes, and my mom has told me she, she, she's gotten abortions. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing. But like, she, um, my brother came up to me. He was like, um, I felt really uncomfortable. And I was like, why? Okay. And he was like, I didn't, I didn't know that about mom. Oh, wow. That she had an abortion. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he goes, and also, like, does she know you're talking about that? Like, putting her business out there? And I'm like, I mean, no, but <laughs> how is she ever going to I'm going to find know? out. Are you going to yeah. tell her? Narc? Yeah, yeah. You fucking rat, you know? <laughs> and he was like, oh, I know. I'm sure she'll never find out, but don't you think that's disrespectful? And I was like. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. And that was the first time anyone has ever challenged me about my material. Right. Um, and it came, it's coming from a family member. So only person really who really can. Me. The only person who really can. Oh, who, who has the right to. Yes, that's right. right. So that really shook me. And I took that whole bit out and I never did it again. Wow. And before he came this year, eight years later... Mm-hmm. And by the way, this kid has watched everything on my YouTube. He's watched my one-man show that I've taped with my phone to the side, so I'm not even in the frame for 40 <laughs> minutes. Like, it, this kid is obsessed. Like, he's watched everything. He's pro- He's also my- a fan of comedy. He's a fan of comedy. Yeah. He's a fan of me. Yes. And he also, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but right before, you you know that Chicago Magazine article yes. I wrote about leaving Second City? City? Yeah. He was in Hofstra in, in a, a Long Island college mm-hmm. taking acting classes. Yes. And his theater teacher was like, Xerox that article and sent it around to everyone. It was like, you guys have to read this article. Like, this is like what you should be like, this is what's going on in the theater world, in the professional world. Like, you know, this person, Peter Kim, is standing up for what's right and blah, blah. And my oh brother my was like, um, that's my brother. And the theater teacher was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I can't believe it. And he was, like, telling him how much, like, he respected me. And I was like, whoa, this is out of control insane. So that was, like, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Yeah. And 
since then I was like, oh, this kid is really like following my career、mm-hmm. more than anyone else in my family is, you know, and he's not even blood related to me. Yeah, that that's probably why. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but he he called me before while I was in Chicago, and he asked me, "Hey, are you gonna? I just want to make sure I'm not gonna go there and feel like worried. Oh, that you're gonna like I'm still I'm so excited for you. I want to come, but I just I'm feeling nervous. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, You're not gonna talk about me or the or the family like that like like last time, are you? And I was like,、oh、and I really、gosh. had to go、yeah. in and be like, "Do I?" <laughs> <laughs> and my set mostly is、uh, is not about my family at all. Of course, yeah.、Um, just like how I grew up, and I was like, "Well, I guess you'll have to come and find out." <laughs> you couldn't even give him peace of mind, like. <laughs> no, no, I I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. But he came, and he he was so. I think he he was very surprised and. Delighted.、Um, delighted. He, he loved it. That he loved it, and he was like,、um, "Young, like so, Loki, I've heard like most of these jokes on all your videos," and I was like, "Okay, drag me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I gotta say, like you're somehow you're like way better now than in those videos, or like it, it was crazy to watch, and I was like,、somehow. "Oh, this is such a." I know. I'm like, "Bitch, I put in the work." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's called reps, and、um, and it was just so nice to have family be proud of me. Yeah, I haven't experienced. I've never experienced that. It's Kuronika, <laughs> like oh my god, ugh. Because for you, it would be either cousins or like your direct parents. Yeah, like there's no siblings. No siblings. To come out and be like, and my、yeah. husband hates all my material, so. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Only the part where you tell you tell us how much prettier you are. No, he really hates that joke. But like,、um, has actively told me to stop telling it. I go, I just, I just put that into the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Don't try to silence me. <laughs> This is my truth. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I was I was very proud of you, Angie. I I really was. I and not that I thought, you know, bringing you as my feature would be would be anything but fun and great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, but I think Friday I was so proud of you because you went up and in a sparse room and really like throttled them. Like you took <laughs> you really like took them by the neck. You know、yeah. what I mean? And. That was so cool to watch, and that inspired me to have fun on stage. And、um, I think if I was, if I had gone with like diff- a f- different feature,、mm. not not a, a good friend or something like that,、yeah. I don't even know if I would have watched. You know what I mean? I、yeah. think I would have just stayed out there and like worked on my set. But because I went with you, like I wanted to watch, and also we're both we we both have shared lived experiences,、yes. so. It was also incumbent upon me to watch so that I don't double down on premises. Right. That that be, we not that we have any of the same jokes, but we might touch upon like immigrant stuff or whatever,、mm-hmm. you know. So like,、um, that was also really cool, and and such a like, such a buck against the idea of you need to bring a comic that's different than you. Yes. 
You know, that's not true at all because you and I are very high energy, big, you know, um, we're very confident, boisterous comics. So we are the similar energy, but I thought that host feature um, headliner worked really well. Yes. Even if you and I had similar energies and similar things to talk about. Like, we never really stepped. No. Yeah. And so it's possible. And also, you see this, how many times do you see white male comics on the same bill? No one's asking the same question. The cadences are very similar. But Mm. I think this is what it looks like when we have enough and the plurality is happening. Like, Mm -hmm. we didn't. We didn't touch on each other's sets. We... And honestly, even if we did, our takes are so different. Yeah. And it wouldn't have mattered. And honestly, for the Ajima show in Chicago, we had a Korean host and an opener. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was the same fucking thing. And it's, you know, it's more about the actual flow of the show. Yes. And, you know, versus having your... um, your, you know, the comedy, like, running order look like, oh, one black, one white, one Asian, one gay. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, why, why don't you make any of them good? Like, <laughs> like you know, and, and so much more, like, a more accurate depiction and accurate assessment of these people as comics, high energy, low energy, dark, light, goofy, yeah. s- surreal, like that yeah, versus exactly. identity politics. Like, yes, exactly. Do they do act outs? Are they, you know what I mean? Like, that's more the thing that you should be talking about. And I think, I, I think that whole, I, you know how, like, Bobby Lee always says, like, oh, he can't, He every time we go into a pitch or something, he's always like, oh, Peter Kim, he's so funny. He can't open for me anymore because he tires them out. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a real thing. Like, I understand the mechanics behind that logic, but I don't think crowds have that little energy. Like, they're drinking and like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's Bobby's insecurity. That's Bobby. That's Bobby bullshit. Yes, yes. And it's yes. also an old way of thinking. Which is a which is a very common headliner bullshit. Yes. 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 It's like I always bring like a low energy middler, so they you know whatever, or the opposite energy, something like that. But the good headliners want someone to push them, want mm-hmm. someone to push the crowd, and yeah. understands what they can take, versus people who are that's afraid, exactly it. Who are yeah. afraid. So. Yeah, let's go into Saturday because Saturday it was fully, almost fully packed. There were a, there were some Koreans yes. with a Z. AZNs. AZNs. My AZNs. That my ABGs were there. There were um, Ajuma fans were there. My my friend Jen Kim from college came out with her friends. Like there were a lot of people, and there were also many whites. Um, oh yeah, and then the, the first uh, night there were those um, ladies, yes, the those Eastern open. European ladies yes. who kept talking. Yes. Oh my god, that was so funny. Um, they, it was almost like a heckling situation, but we handled them very well. Yes, and they had a great time. And a, anyway, so back to Saturday, it, I saw the host go up, do his same exact ten minute set up top, <laughs> and get no laughs. Zero. The crowd was tight they did not like him they were they did not like him no what was that like i i I understand Uh, maybe it was more people who thought they were coming to see peter kim instead of a random show and they're like who the fuck is this 
you know, dry white boy. <laughs> but the I, thing I is, they were loose before. Like, the energy in the room was pretty high. Like, there was, like, a, a pitch. People were, like, laughing in their own conversations. It wasn't yeah. a tense room. No, they were, they were clinking glasses. Yes. They were, yeah, it, it, it was loose, but he got them tight, mm-hmm, I felt. Mm-hmm. And then I started worrying for you because yes. I was like, oh my God, like Unji's going to go up there after him. And this is a packed crowd and they're being like tight and polite. Yes. Oh no. And you went up there and how did you feel the room was? Tight. Tight, right? Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah. It took a little bit longer to crack it open. I think it took you about like five minutes. Yeah to kind of play with them a little bit. Yeah, because I started then, going to my set and then I was like, oh, this is not going to work. And then I went back. That was such a pro move. Yeah. I, I thought that was so fucking professional of you to go into your set and I was like, oh no, they're responding tight. Yeah. And then, and then you, I could see you as a comic go shift gears. Yes. Throw it out and then go, the fuck is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> And that shifted the entire yes, mood. It cracked them up. It, cra- it, cra- it cracked, cracked them. Yeah, it cracked them open. And then they stopped yes. being tight. And then I could move on with my set. Exactly. And then you went back to your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what it was about, like, you being cool mom or something like that. It was about, like, maybe being pregnant or... Anyway, it, it was like an early uh, set joke that you went back to. Yes. And they laughed the way you wanted them to. That's correct. And I saw I saw it in your eyes. <laughs> you lit up and you were like, bitch, you're mine now. <laughs> it was so fucking cool. Like it was I I really if I if we if I was there with a less kind of um, seasoned, seasoned performer. Mm-hmm. That performer would have trudged through their set and been in their heads. Yes, and be like, "What the fuck? It's a bigger crowd, and they're laughing less." Yeah, this is my fault. I hate this. I hate. And then they would have like just done their set without being connected, mm-hmm. and then got off with like a mediocre set. Yes, and then, sweating, and then I, I sweating. <laughs> And then I would have had to reset the room again yes. or whatever, you know? But you did that reset early, had them for the entire set mm-hmm. to the point where like you finished and they were like, no more. You know, like they, <laughs> yeah. fe- it, it felt like they wanted more. I almost felt bad going up because I was like, okay, they're still into Unji. And, um, well, it's because I didn't, because there was the five minutes where they weren't cracked open. So, you yeah. know what I mean? They're yeah. like, I, just yeah. in terms of a set feel, yeah, like it was kind of, I left on a little bit earlier of a crest than I like to. Mm-hmm. I like to ride yeah, it yeah, out yeah. and kind of wear out my welcome. And then they're like, okay, go. So <laughs> that's usually how I like to end my sets. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you didn't. And you left early and you really set the table for me to have, I, I, I that night I didn't even record. Audio, re- I re- audio yeah. record every set I ever do. Wow. I've, I, I was fumbling with the phone yeah. and it didn't record. And I would, it almost feels beautiful in that way. Like, oh, it's never gonna exist again. Like yeah. it's fine. Like it was that moment. And my brother was there again. So I didn't want to do the same stuff. So I switched it up and did other jokes. Yes. Uh, and told a different story. Yes. And I, 
Man, I had so much fucking fun. You were so in the set. pocket immediately. Because it was, a, it was, even after I got off, it was still, they like reset to like that default kind of tighter crowd. And then- Because you, the host went back up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, great. Oh, so there's the next guy. Because <laughs> they defaulted back to the tighter and, and then you had to do that work. But it was almost like worth it. It's like, um, like a, what is it? They Ash. wanted me to. Yes. It's like a, it's like a- They wanted to feel, um- like I had to earn them. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's that? There's a nut where it's like really hard to crack, but the meat is very delicious. And it's like that. It's like it was a very hard nut. <laughs> Brazil. But, well, something. You know what I mean? And it's like, the, but the nut was very. It's very good. It's very nutty. It's very brown. It's very good. And it's like that. They wanted that work. A, they wanted you to work a little bit, and that's fine. Every crowd is different. Um, but watching you work that crowd was really fascinating, especially having watched both your I sets. I did way more crowds. I did way more crowd work in the second show. Because you had to. I had to. And it's I, incredible. I, I could. Thank you. I felt so, I felt so, uh, yeah, in the pocket. I, I think after your set, they were so loose yes. that I, I knew like, I can tell from your set that they liked the raunchier stuff more. Yes. And and I could tell that they were, unlike the Friday night where those ladies were like actively trying to be part of the set. Yes. The second night, everyone was being very polite. They wanted to be entertained. They wanted to be entertained. And when I did when I did the crowd work in the front row, I realized, oh, I could do crowd work for a while. Yes. And eat up my time. And then just get to the good nuggets later. And that already felt so empowering because I can tell that they felt special. Yes. Because it was it was the night that they got the sitters and they got to stay out. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to make it special for them. And it was just such a fun, uproarious set. And it, it, it just, like, it, it gave me life. It really, like... It gave me so much spiritual life and psychic like gifts. It was beautiful. I mean, you were killing in a way where the opener from upstairs came down. Oh, really? Yeah, because someone must have sent word. <laughs> someone must have told. Someone must. Oh, have... he he reached out to me by the way. Did he? <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Because you were yeah, killing. Yeah. It's like someone must have sent word, being like, "This bitch is killing." He's being too loud. Yeah, no, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you, you want to watch this. You want to come downstairs and watch. Oh, and it wow. was like, for, for real, because the first night, no one came down. No. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we shut the basement down, yeah. right? <laughs> Turn the lights off. And the second night, I mean, you know, multiple people, I could see staff had come down. That's who it was. Okay, so this guy, a comic, reached out to me and he was yeah. like, hey, I got to catch some of your set Saturday night. Yes. Great stuff. When are you coming back to DC? And I was like, no plans. And he was like, okay, well, keep me posted. Again, really great stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. So I thought it was just a guy in the audience, but I didn't realize it was the guy from upstairs. Yeah, he had opened up for the headliner upstairs, had come uh-huh. down, because word had spread. I mean, I think, yes, I think... My set was a surprise to most of the 
the the our host and opener. It was a surprise to him. It was a surprise to a lot of the people. <laughs> I think they were like, "What is this?" And and then, but you, your sets were truly like, you know, you were doing the way you were handling the crowd and your material. You know, for any of you guys who are listening and don't know much about Peter's standup, it is so deeply personal and storytelling based and yet feels like as hard hitting as any club comic material, right? And so imagine like a crowd that isn't there to see Peter Kim per se, you know, mm. cause like there's that, you know, you don't have that much. It was just much. like a night out. It was just a night out. And these are pretty, I mean, outside from the AZNs, you know, and the <laughs> scary youngs and the Asian baby girls that love them. <laughs> like, you know. I wish I knew they were there. I know. I, I did not even see them in the back. I wish I saw them. I would have like Inza, you know, like yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, all these people are identifying and loving your material and your story and your vibe. Like that is to me, like that is when I say that you're scary, Kishin, like that's what I mean. Like you could have very, you, if you stood up there and told everyone, you know, to vote a specific way, you could have, you could have led these people anywhere. You can convince them of anything. <laughs> I mean, that's power. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, I, I felt. In control. You know, in control. And this is what like, I think the best preachers feel yes or performers in general feel is that absolute control when you're on stage yeah which for most of us we have none of that off stage <laughs> so we, we crave it uh in this like fake level and um yeah it, it was so gorgeous the entire weekend Sunday, the live show, you know, another sparse crowd. We were in the bigger theater, yes. but loud as fuck. We had Ajma's come back from Saturday to Sunday. It was so and, fun. Um, it was so fun. We got to shout out our um, our friend Jen Kim, the associate administrator of the Small Business Association. You'll hear that episode um, in a few weeks. And it, it, there were people, like literal Ajma fans came out. Yes. Like, there were so many Ajma fans in D.C. I just could not understand. Like, that was so crazy. I was like, whoa, how are you all here? There were, like, hot architects that came I know. out. Hot I was, gay we were, architects? I couldn't believe it. Hot gay, hot gay Korean architects. You and I were, like, drooling. Like, we've never <laughs> seen this type of mix before. Like, it was so crazy. Um, we had a very drunk fan as well. <laughs> Who we did tell to shut the fuck up many times. <laughs> many times. <laughs> but please know if you're listening, we love you. We love like, you. It's not that, no, it's all out of love. But you had to, if you're coming to Ajima's show, you should know we're going to tell you to shut the fuck up. Meme. Meme. You're going to get a verbal meme. <laughs> but overall, I think what. I have decided and come to is that the weekend that you and I had with the Ajma show and with our stand-up weekend, it's too fun not to do again. Yes! Can't so, be a swan song, baby! It, it can't be a swan song, but I think f as far as the Ajma weekends, I think that should be a new thing. Yes. You know? 
like me going on the road randomly to make a couple thousand dollars, you know, in Toledo, that's not happening for me. <laughs> Again, let me just say I'll only go to any city that has a gay bar and or a Korean spa. Yes. If you if your city does not have either, bitch, we not up in there. We don't feel safe. No. No. Okay. So we're talking about like Vancouver, Seattle, Portland. We're doing, I don't know about Portland, but Vancouver, Seattle, <laughs> San Francisco. We're talking about like Asia fight cities, West yes. Coast, East Coast. You know, the middle, we'll do Chicago again, of course. But I'm, I'm very excited to get this specific type of weekend on the road. Mm -hmm. And I think I could speak for Unji when I say the connection we have and we have made with Dajmas across the nation. Yes. Ajma Nation is pretty fucking special. It feels very profound. It felt yeah. um, important. And I will say, and Peter and I talk about this on the show, facetiously, uh, but like, you know, we kind of dick around <laughs> on this. I mean, you know, we don't take it yeah. that seriously. Yeah. We take our craft and each other's feelings and what's happening in each other's lives very seriously. This is cathartic and important to each of us, to, to Peter and myself, but you know, the sort of, the business of the podcast and the Ajima-ness of yeah. it all is like, you know, we take it seriously for you, but it's like not something we are, have ever felt like a compelled to have like yokshim about, you know? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So I think but meeting you guys and feeling this connection and feeling how important this these conversations feel to you and hearing your stories oh my of, gosh of that really that really touched me deeply affecting deeply affecting deeply affecting to hear your own life experiences how you felt isolated how you felt that you know there was no one else to turn to i mean one of the fans came out um, we took a picture with, she was telling me she moved to, I think DC during the pandemic and went back and listened to the whole discography back to 2016. And I was like, bitch, you crazy. Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> the early shit is whack. You know? like, no, actually the early shit is good. The middle is whack and now it's good again. Yeah. But <laughs> it's true. But to hear, and, and to hear her say like, I, that made me feel less alone. Man, that really Oof. does, that touches me. And uh, I thank you guys for listening and continuing to listen and continuing to support this fucking crazy ass, weird ass podcast about nothing and everything. Um, I, I love you for that. And and thank you. I mean, Peter and I um, had a long conversation. We both feel a greater sense of responsibility and affection for you guys and the fact you guys came out and you continue to yeah. share your stories and the fact that you're vulnerable with us and allow us yeah. to be vulnerable with you. I mean, we are deeply blessed and so grateful for your ears and your time and all your all of your support and you know, I financial think, and otherwise, yes. really. I mean, leave truly, a review. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> But I mean, truly, like, I think both of us walked away from this weekend feeling much more grateful, a lot more gratitude for the yeah. audience and for this pod. And for each other, really. Like, I, we had so much fun. It was so easy. So easy to travel with you. And yes. I knew it would because we both like the same stuff and we both also need rest. Yes. So <laughs> And crave our alone times. Yes. So it was like, it was, it, I was never like, 
oh, why doesn't Unji want to hang with me right now? It's like, <laughs> it's so much easier to travel with someone you are like, are similarly vibed with. Yes. And I thought that was such, and, and, and uh, this was a experiment, a grand experiment. And you weren't even drinking or smoking this no. trip. So like, imagine how much more fun it's going to be when you don't have a baby to carry around. <laughs> like that's going to be <laughs> incredible. And um, yeah, I I'm so excited to do this again. And thank you so much, so, so much for coming out this weekend, uh, last weekend. And uh, we love you guys. And that's, that's our show. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.